0: Uh, Hello family, God bless you guys, grab your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 5 verse 21, Mark chapter 5 verse 21 is where we're going to be, Jesus uh, interacts with two uh, individuals that could not be more different on the outside, but they have these things in common actually we're going to find out. They're both in desperate need of healing, and they're both challenged in their faith in Jesus. Uh, So with that said, please give your attention to the reading of God's
1: word. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, He was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And the crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood, for twelve years, and who had suffered much under her many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, your word that endures. And Jesus, we need be touched by you. Risen Jesus, who is alive, I pray that your real presence would be felt in this room today. And that you would reach out and touch every soul and transform us, change us, heal us, make us whole. For your glory, Amen. Amen. There is great power in being touched. Bad touch steals, right? Good touch heals. There's a lot of ways that we're touched all through the week. There's power in being touched. There's been many scientific studies over the years on the healing power of touch therapy, both physical and social. There was a study actually done in 2002 on 110 preschool-age children. This is four-years-old, five-year-old kids, okay? 110 preschool-age children that were displaying uh, aggressive social behaviors. Uh, They received a brief five-minute to 10-minute massage every day, five days a week uh, in their daycare over a period of six months. The greatest decrease uh, that was shown in a decrease in aggressive social behavior actually came from the third month to the sixth month. It's pretty remarkable. Six months after that study concluded, that is one year... After the study began, that touch therapy was initiated, those same children continued to show significant decrease in aggressive social behavior. And that's the only thing that had changed in their life: that someone touched them for five to ten minutes a day. They did another study. This time, this was with high schoolers. I wanted to see if this kind of scaled out to adolescents. It was 52 high schoolers who had been institutionalized because of aggressive social behavior. So they got in trouble for their aggressive social behavior, basically. These students received a 30-minute back massage, like in a chair, five days, consecutive five days. That was just one school week. They displayed lower cortisol levels. That's a stress hormone that our bodies create when we're under stress and anxiety. They showed a marked decrease of Cortisol levels, uh, decrease in depression, aggressive behavior, as well as showing increased or better sleep patterns in compliance with the nurses. They were more agreeable for getting them massage 30 minutes a day for a week. That's the only thing that had changed in their life with the control group, was that someone touched them in a good, healthy way. Is that incredible? Clearly, touch can give health and it can give healing. And touch is featured prominently in these healings of Jesus, particularly in the Gospel of Mark. These these uh, the two women that we read about are healed by the touch of Jesus. And yet there is something that's unique about the touch of Jesus when he does this. It's different than what a, a, a doctor or a massage therapist can give Christ touch is miraculous we see it's not just medicinal it's miraculous it is a transformative healing that only he can give and so today we're going to look at the uniqueness of Christ's healing touch what it costs us and what it costs him so first, Christ's healing touch is better than we imagine. His touch is better than we could possibly imagine. Look at verses 20, uh, 22 and 23, and then we'll jump to 25 and 26. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. The two reasons that Jesus' touch is better, his healing is better because it is for anyone who trusts him. It's for anyone who trusts him. Mark wants you and I to compare and to contrast Jairus and the, the, the woman. They are different, and yet they're the same in that both are in desperate need of Jesus and both receive help from Jesus. This is what they have in common. And so let's take a minute. Let's, let's look, at, look at Jairus. Jairus is he's male. He's a man. Uh, which gives him privileges in society. You know, Mark records for us that he's the ruler of the synagogue, which, by the way, most of the time were Pharisees. I didn't know that. I learned that this week. So he's got like the key to open the door of the church and the scrolls, and he's got access to all this stuff, right? He has status. He has access to, in, in, in regards to the religious arena. Uh, he has a name in a story. That's how we know him. He's got a name. In other words, Jairus is a somebody. You'd want to know him. You know? You'd want to know him. And yet none of this has protected his 12-year-old daughter from terminal sickness. And you see this guy who's a somebody, this guy who has privilege and he's got access, and and he falls down at the feet of this rabbi and implores him on behalf of his daughter so let's look at the woman Uh, she's female uh, so she doesn't have the same privileges she didn't have a name even we don't know who she is she doesn't get her name recorded in this story she's kind of a nobody Uh, if we look here a little closer she's a bit superstitious in her theology i mean she believes in jesus and maybe rabbit a rabbit's foot You know, and all this stuff that's kind of mixed in there. She's got a discharge of blood that she's had for 12 years. Just bleeding for 12 years. Uh, Not only would this be embarrassing and shameful, but this would have made her ceremonially unclean. If you read the law, if you read Leviticus and you read Deuteronomy, she's ceremonially unclean. What's that mean? Well, that means that she could not go to the temple to worship God. She couldn't even go to the synagogue to worship God. Uh, It means that she was cut off from her community. She's not allowed. She's grounded, right? She's not allowed to be around. She's in time out. She can't go be around other people, and here's why. The law says that that could contaminate other people. If she touches someone who's ceremonially unclean, if she touches someone else, even accidentally, they now become unclean and they become cut off from the people of God. And so as scholar David Garland puts it, she was walking pollution. She's not the kind of person you'd want to know or want to be around. Nobody wanted to be near this woman. Jairus has spent 12 years with his daughter, watching her grow up, praying over her life, blessing her, teaching her the purity and holiness law so that she can one day, she can participate in worship only to find out this day that it was all for nothing. All that work he used, it was for nothing. He's losing her. Like by, the, like by the minute, he's losing her. He's watching her life slip away in front of his eyes. Mark tells us that this unknown woman, she spent 12 years suffering. Get this, under the hands of physicians. Her body's been touched by many men. But their touch, their treatments, their remedies to stop her bleeding has not worked. For all the touching that they've done to her, it hasn't made her better. But not only that, but they're... Efforts have actually increased her pain and worsened her condition, Mark says. She's worse now than before she went to them for help. How frustrating is that, right? And if all of that wasn't enough, this has entirely drained her bank account. She's, she's pretty destitute at this point. And she's all alone in all this. Though they look like completely different people on the outside, from the outward appearance they look completely different. They're both destitute, both in pain, both isolated, and both are out of options. There's not another option for them. They both desperately need the healing touch of Jesus Christ. So what do we learn from this? I think we learn this, that social status, gender, gender, Privileged position or lack of it. Religious acceptableness or lack of it. They are not the criteria that Jesus looks at before he heals a person. They play no role whatsoever in the mind of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? The only requirement for experiencing the healing touch of Jesus is faith in him. Did you hear me? It's to trust that Jesus is merciful to desperately needy people. Are you willing to be desperately needy? Not needy, desperately needy. Are you willing His healing is better because it's holistic. Christ's healing is holistic. Look at verse 30, and then we'll jump down to 34. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about. Immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? 34. And he said to her, Daughter, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So, this woman wants a quick healing from Jesus and she wants to kind of duck back into the masses. Jesus is going by. She's heard reports about him. She just wants to kind of get a touch and slip back in. I was never here. I was never here, but I'm better. And I'm better. She wants a drive-by healing from magic Jesus. She wants a miracle. But Jesus wants a meeting. She wants a cure. But Jesus wants her to have wholeness. Wholeness through a relationship with Him. Aren't you glad Jesus wants more for you than you do? man? I am. So when Jesus turns around in the crowd, looking for this woman, and he asks, who touched me? I don't think he's asking the disciples that question. I don't think he's asking the disciples to point her out. They assume he is, but I don't think that's who he's asking the question. I think Jesus is calling out to the woman that he's healed. Who touched me? Who touched me? Come out. Come out wherever you are. You almost hear an echo of God in the garden to Adam and Eve when they sin. Where are you? It's not because he didn't know where he was. It's so you can come out. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. He's calling to her to come near instead of just slipping away unknown. Into the blob we call the crowd. And when she does come out of the crowded camouflage, when she does move towards Jesus, as I've been trying to emphasize every week, faith is about moving towards Jesus. That's it. She does move towards Jesus. He calls this woman what? Daughter. That's going to sound weird coming from a 30-something-year-old man. Daughter. Daughter. Calls her daughter. What's he telling her? What's he telling her? He is affectionately calling her a daughter of God. He's given her a, a new name. He's naming her. He's given her a new identity. Your daughter. You weren't a daughter. Now you're a daughter of God. Do you hear the wholeness? She's already been healed, she's getting wholeness. Just a touch from Jesus. And, and this woman's been made acceptable to God. You guys hear that? Ceremonially cleansed. She didn't have to do a thing, really. She no longer needs to stay on the fringes of society. She never, no longer needs to lurk about in the shadows. She no longer needs to hide in her shame She's carrying a lot of shame with her. And she should not have to hide in that shame in the crowd anymore, in the masses, sitting in the back rows, and just slip out as soon as everything is over. She should not have to do that anymore. God in Christ has turned His face towards her and sees her and pronounces His shalom, pronounces His wholeness upon her. That's what that word peace means. It's wholeness. How often we're like this woman. We're just wanting a simple cure from Jesus. Quick and easy. Just in and out, quick and easy. You know, just get me through one more day, Jesus. That's all I need. Just get me through one more day. Just just make me look good to my boss, Jesus. You know, Kind of on the outs. Just make me look good to my boss, Jesus. Just keep my kids safe, Jesus. Just need that quick blessing. But you know, Jesus has come to make us completely whole people, brothers and sisters. That's why he came. Listen, Jesus came, us, came to make us fully human. Not less human, fully human. Not merely patch up our body, but to remove the shame that we carry, the shame that cuts us off from life abundance. And the only way that we experience wholeness in our humanity is by coming out of anonymity. By being known by Jesus. And this is so hard for us because we're big on privacy. Right? This website is taking your cookies. Right? Everywhere we go, it's privacy statement, privacy statement. And Jesus is saying, you got to come out of your privacy statement. If you want wholeness, come to me. Let me see you. I want a meeting with you. I want to give you a name that's better than the other people's name. Daughter. Son. Jesus wants to make us whole people. And the only way we experience that wholeness is by coming out of anonymity, by being known by Jesus through Christ. We who are unclean become acceptable to God instead, instead of us contaminating uh, Jesus. Jesus contaminates us with his holiness and his righteousness. Isn't that crazy? His cleansing, though we come to him in shame, Christ tells us to go in And that is why for years, pastors send people out with a benediction, that blessing, go in peace. Those are powerful, three powerful words if you know what's happening in that moment. They're talking like Jesus to you. He tells us to go in peace. He's turned his face towards us. He's looked at, on us with tender affection like children. This is nothing less than a full, full-throated benediction. That's what he's doing. What's a, what's a famous blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face towards you, right? Lift up his countenance upon you. Be gracious to you and give you his peace. Jesus is doing all that. He's turning He's looking his face at her and pronouncing his peace over her. and He's shining on her. And that's what he wants to do to you and I. This is love that makes us whole. This is the love you're looking for that satisfies you and me. Amen. Secondly, Christ's healing touch is more costly than we bargain for. And we need to see this. Christ's healing touches were costly than we bargained for. Look at verse 33. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And told him the whole truth. So she—I don't know what, we don't know what she said, but she said all of it. That's what we know. We know she's like, I'm vulnerable. I'm exposed. I'm not hiding. I am exposed. You see me. I see you. Everyone else sees me. She told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, while he was, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And, and that. Word for believe is actually in the present tense, it means continue believing, keep on believing. So both Jairus and this woman they pay they pay a personal cost to gain a touch from Christ. I want you to see this. The woman has come uh, has to come confess the truth instead of hiding. Jairus has to continue trusting Christ all the way to his house even though his little girl is dead and he knows what he's going to see when he gets there. He's got to keep trusting Christ all the way to the house before he opens the door. Listen, both require more faith than they were originally willing to exercise. Right? Both both of these situations require more faith than they were originally wanting to Give up. Give to Jesus. Trust they we're willing to give to Jesus. But like the woman, this woman has real faith in Jesus, but it is imperfect and it's it's primitive. I mean, her faith is mixed in with like magic and superstition. But she's trusting the right person. It's aimed at the right person, and so Jesus responds to her trust. In him. She sees Jesus as merely some kind of a shaman. Someone who has power, magic power to heal her. If she could just get close enough and grab his magic cloak as he walks by her. That's kind of the image we get. You know? The last thing this woman wants is to be seen by other people. She doesn't want to go public. She doesn't want to be outed. She's ashamed. But Jesus wants more for her. He wants more for her than she wants for her. So he brings her out in the public. He brings her out in the public to correct her faith, but also to fill it out, to make it full and whole, whole, complete. It's not his garment that healed her. He wants to let her know that. It's not my garment that healed her. It's her trust in him that has made her well. In other words, she didn't just like steal power from Jesus unbeknownst to him. Jesus willingly gave away his power in response to her faith. Imperfect and confused though it was, he willingly gave his power away to her. And he wants her to know that. He wants her to know that. I mean, remember, everybody's touching Jesus, right? Everybody in this crowd is bumping up and touching Jesus. But his power is not going out to everybody in the crowd, only to her who believed in him, who trusted in him. And so when Jesus calls her into the public eye, he is both accepting her and yet developing her faith in him at the same time. She believes that Jesus is powerful, but she does not know him as loving and compassionate to the weak. She's not sure about that. It's going to cost her something to know that, if she wants to know that. It's going to cost her coming out of the safety of the shadows to experience the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants her to know. Jairus, unlike this woman, he's not placing his faith in lock or in magic garments. Uh Uh-uh, no. No, he knows the Bible. And Jairus is a leader. And so he's got a plan. And his plan is to get Jesus to his house by the most direct route. Before the worst happens to his little girl. And this is getting in his way. Right? His plan fails. And his plan fails publicly. And so Jairus's challenge, this is his challenge, he's challenged to let go of his plan. His challenge is to let go of his plan and place his faith in the timing of Jesus. He's got enough faith to trust that Jesus could heal her while she's her heart's still beating. But now he's going to say, do you trust me after her, stop, her her heart stopped beating? Do you see the cost he's having to pay? He's got to exercise even more faith than he wanted to. I see myself in both of these followers of Jesus, don't you? I want a quick cure for my problem. I want a quick cure from my pain. You know, Jesus, just give me the most direct route so I can be on my way. Jesus, just give me the wisdom because I see a problem coming. If you give me wisdom, I can avoid the problem. I can get around that. Would you just help me? I don't want to go through that. And I trust him enough for his power, but not enough for his compassion. I trust him enough to know I should ask him, but not enough to trust his timing. That's just me. How about you? You know what, the only way that you and I are going to experience the love and experience the compassion of of Christ is taking the risk of going public, so to speak. Stepping out of the safety of anonymity and saying, Jesus, here's the whole truth. Here's the whole truth. Even after 12 years, I trust you with an impure, superstitious faith. That's the whole truth. Here's the whole truth, Jesus. Even after all these years, I trust you with a controlling faith. I'll trust you as long as it's on my timetable, and I just I don't trust you past that. And that's the whole truth. But I'm grabbing hold of you as it is. You see, you know what? Here's the good news. When we do that, Jesus Jesus is not harsh with us. He's so gentle. He will not condemn us for our controlling plans or our primitive beliefs or our impure trust that we've mixed up with other things. Jesus gently corrects our faith and blesses us with his peace. That's how he responds to people that tell him the whole truth. Isn't that great? But you know what? It's only by exposing our weaknesses instead of covering them up for years. It's only by talking to him about our vulnerabilities that we will actually experience his love and compassion. Until then, he's just powerful. He's just powerful. Christ's healing touch will cost us more faith than we bargained for. So what will help us pay the cost? What will help us pay that cost? Well, Christ's healing comes to us through his loss. We need to know that Christ's healing comes to us through his loss. Look at verse 29 through 30. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And he felt, uh, yeah, where am I at here? And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Verse 30, and Jesus perceiving in himself That power had gone out of him. You could say perceiving in his body. She felt something in her body, and he felt something in his body. Immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Before Jesus calls the woman to pay a cost, Jesus pays a cost for her sake. Did you see that? She's filled with his power only because he drains himself of it. Isn't that beautiful? He experiences real loss and real lacking so that she might experience real wholeness, real fullness. And and this is only a precursor to the ultimate cost that Jesus will pay both for this woman and this little girl and you and you and you and you and me. Right? Right? Jesus can stop this woman's body from bleeding and cure her of her uncleanliness because his body will flow with blood on the cross. And it won't stop till he's dead. He will take her uncleanliness upon himself at the cross and he will be despised and he will be rejected and he will be exposed and he will be made vulnerable in public in front of everyone to people that don't have compassion and don't love him. And that's why she can be accepted by God and loved by God. He can give this middle school girl his life. Why? Because he's going to soon trade places with her. She can come back to life because he's going to go die. And he's not going to be laid in a bed. Do Do you see the gospel here? Listen, it Really costs Jesus to make us whole. And he's continuing to make us whole day by day, week by week, as we breathe in the gospel. Jesus didn't risk being exposed, he was exposed. She just risks being exposed. Jesus was actually exposed and vulnerable. He didn't risk bleeding, he bled. Right? He didn't risk dying, he died. Because that is what it costs to bring us into a transformative relationship with God. To be called son. To be called daughter. Jesus paid that cost for you and me. And he was glad to do it. He was willing to do it. Do you see how much Jesus loves you? Like he really loves you. He's not merely awesome in his power. He is also awesome in his love you know what that means? It means that this is a king that you can trust with all that's within you. You can trust him with all of you, with all of the parts of your life, with all the pieces, even the dark pieces of your life, even the shameful pieces of your life. You can trust him with all of your life, this king. And so I encourage you, don't hold back from him. If you're holding back from him, don't. Don't. Don't hide parts of your life from him. Tell him the whole truth. Let him in. Come out into the open. Come out into the open, and you will encounter him more fully. You'll encounter him in a more transformative way. He's, he, he's better than you know. He loves you. Amen. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, take your word by your spirit and touch each and every one of us. Lord, where we are covering up and hiding, where we're putting on a show and putting on a front, uh, where we're trying to manufacture energy, Lord, would you, t- would you just, just put your hand on our shoulder? Would just touch us where we're being socially aggressive and calm us? Just say, you can tell me the whole truth. I love you. I want you to be whole. Help us surrender. Help us have faith because we see how much it costs you to, ch- to, to, to love us, how much it costs you to heal us. And so take these words, melt our hearts, draw us to you. Amen.